And so we're in this Made for More series, and so this just came out of a burden of, of my heart uh, when I was in Africa, that maybe God is, what if God has made us for more? A deeper relationship with him, a deeper connection with him, to understand at a deep level about this issue of Christianity. And so if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can click to or turn to with me. Ephesians chapter 5 and Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5 is Paul is going to give us some guidelines for for worship. And then Acts chapter 16, we're going to see how this this lived out. And so let me me make some comments. The the title of this message, by the way, is called Made uh, or or More Worship is the title of this message. And so let me talk to you about this issue of worship and and help you to to understand what, what is worship and what isn't worship. The truth is this, is God has created us to worship. God has created us to worship. He has wired us to worship. So the question is not, are you going to worship? The question is, whom or what are you going to worship? Because we were created to worship. We were naturally created to worship something. And so the question for you and the question for me is, whom or what are we going to worship? See, worship, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, worship is a choice because love is a choice. We either choose to worship him or you choose not to. You either choose to love him or you choose not to. And so when you look at this issue of worship, let me just, let me just help you with some things. Worship is not just singing. A lot of people think, you know what, all worship is just singing. Worship is not just singing because you can sing and not worship, right? I mean, you know, that ever happened to you? It's happened to me to where you're in a worship service and you are singing a song and you may be singing a song with your lips, but your mind is not there, right? It's like, what are we having for lunch? I mean, what are we doing for lunch? What are, and then you look over, you say, hey, Bill's here. I didn't know. I haven't seen Bill in a while. Bill's here. And so, or what I got to get at Walmart? You got this to-do list. And so sometimes we're easily distracted. And so the truth is you can sing and not worship. So worship is not just singing and worship. Listen, worship is not just exalting God. It's a part of it. It's a part of singing. It's a part of worship, uh, uh, exalting God. But worship is like more than that. See, Zach Neese had a really easy definition for me to understand what worship is, and, and it's just really easy to remember. And Zach Neese would say this, is worship is just simply this, worship is love expressed. Worship is expressing your love to something. Worship is love expressed. Worship is expressing your love to God in every area of your life because we know, we know this, right? We know this in relationships. Uh, we, we know this in, in church. If it is love and it is not expressed... It is not worship. If it's love and it's not expressed in a relationship, then it's hard for us to understand it's love, right? Because love is something you do. Worship is something you do. Love is something that you express to someone else. So you were created. You were created what the Scripture says. You were created to give and to receive love. You were created to express your love to God. Worship is about God. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our preferred worship style, our preferred types of songs, any of that. Worship, listen, worship is about God. Worship is when we express our love to him and we come into his presence and, and we declare his, his greatness and his sovereignty and his control in, the, in, in our lives and some of those other things. So, so Paul comes to this place and he gives guidelines for worship kind of interesting. Then, then we'll look at Acts chapter 16. So here's, here's what he says. Acts chapter 5 verse, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, in, God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, love is something that you do and worship is something that you do. It's more than just singing. It's, it's how we relate to one another, how we express our love, how we follow him. In worship, listen, worship is a choice. Love is a choice. You can either choose to love or not to love. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but worship is a command. It's a command from Scripture. Love is a command from Scripture. Because love and worship is a choice. Here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. He says, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And then he goes down to verse 13 in Deuteronomy and he says, and if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him, still talking about worship, and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So I don't know if you ever thought about this, but worship is a command. Love is a command. Because love is a choice. You can either choose to love him, you can either choose to serve him, or you can choose not to. Jesus was asked this question in Matthew chapter 22, and he was just simply asked the question about what is the greatest commandment. And so remember that, verse 35, here's what the scripture says. And so as one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. And then he says, and love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about worship. He's talking about worship as this, when you come to the place, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, it doesn't end there. It's just not something you sing. It's just not something you say. It's just not something you talk about. And then when you carry it out, because you understand that this issue of worship is more than just something we say, and then you love your neighbor, you love the people around you, and you love them, as you love yourself. And so Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they're like these two preachers and they're planting churches and they're headed into Philippi. And they're going into Philippi because God called them to go there. God told them to go to Philippi. God told them to build a church. They go into Philippi. They're witnessing to people. People are accepting Jesus. People are coming into their church. They're healing some people. They're doing some amazing things. And then, then unfortunately, they lead this girl to the Lord. And this girl was like a fortune teller. It was a whole industry. It was a whole business in in their, in their culture, and so she was a fortune teller. They lead her to the Lord. She accepts Christ, and because she became a Christ follower, she goes into the office the next morning and says, I quit. I can no longer do this. I quit. It cripples an industry. It cripples an industry. A business ends a result of that. They don't have as much tax revenue in, 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 the, in the culture, in, the, in, in, in their area. And as a result of that, the town gets mad. See, there's a lot of people even today that will tell you, it's okay for you to live out your Christian faith privately or quietly. Just don't affect us. Well, she affected them, and they affected them. So as a result of that, this whole group gets angry. They go, they get Paul and Silas, they arrest them, they beat them, they strip them. In fact, as it says, they, they were severely beaten. That means almost to the point of death. And then they take them, judge them, they put them in jail. And they didn't put them like in the minimum security part of the jail. They put them to where the worst of the worst were. They put them where the most difficult were. They put them in like solitary confinement down in like the hole. And they put them in this hole. They put them in this dungeon. And then they took and they chained them to the, to the guards. I mean, they're in the worst conditions. Often. Now, listen, can you, can you imagine this? They're believers. They're Christians. They're doing exactly what God has called them to do, and there's problems. There's difficulty. Have you ever gone through that? 
Have you ever been doing what God has called you to do and asking, you know, I am following God and I am doing the best I can to obey him and to follow him. And now I got hurt. I got disappointment. I got some betrayal going on. I got a bad doctor report. I got a loved one that's sick. I, got, I lost my job. The economy's tanking. I'm struggling. You ever had hurt? You ever had disappointment? You ever had questions? Listen, you know, you know it's hard, right? If we're honest, and we should be honest in church, right? If we're honest, some of those times it's hard to worship. Are you with me? Some of those times when you come into a worship service and you got questions, and you got some hurt, and you, you it's like, what do you do? Paul and Silas, and we're going to flash this out so we're going to see this. Paul and Silas chose to worship, worship him. See, worship is a choice. Love is a choice, and worship is you have to make that choice. Here's what I've learned in my life, and many of you learn this. When I have hurt, when I have questions, when I, have, when I walk through those times, and, and when I walk into a service and, and I don't feel like worshiping, that's when I need to worship the most. That's when I need to start expressing my love to him because something happens, and we're going to understand this. So three things about this issue of worship. The first one is this. We live our worship. This is what makes it so challenging. This is what Deuteronomy was saying. This is what Jesus was saying. This is what Paul is saying. See, the truth is we live our worship. Worship is more than just singing. Worship is more than just exalting God. Worship, part of worship is love your neighbor as yourself. We live our worship. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, and mid, at about midnight. Listen, they were thrown in jail at 10 in the morning. I mean, they, they've been in there like a half a day. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Can you imagine that? And the prisoners were listening to them. The re- Listen, the reason that we're commanded to worship God, to express our love to him, is because, listen, if we're not careful, and you know this, right? Love drifts. Love leaks. Even in relationships, right? That you... Love can leak. Love can drift. When we go through hurt, when we go through pain, when we go through difficulty, and one of the reasons we're commanded to worship him, and you worship him not because of your circumstances, not because of what you're walking through. You worship him because you express your love to him. And here's what happens. When you come to the place and you express your love to him in difficult circumstances, you know what happens? Your love doesn't leak. Your love grows. Your love deepens as all of a sudden you are reminded of who he is. See, if you're not careful, you can go through hurt and pain. And as a result of that, you can get bitter. You can get mad at God and say, I'm not going to read his word anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to worship anymore. And you know what happens? Your love will go south. But the opposite is true. When you go through those times and you worship him out of your pain and out of your questions and out of your hurt, Something happens and your love begins to grow. I mean, it, it's part, it's a commitment, right? I mean, it's, it's like marriage. I mean, in marriage, we, we make a commitment uh, for better or worse, right? The problem is when we get to that worst part, we get angry, we get bitter. But love is a choice. Love is a commitment. It's the same with, the same with worship. See, worshipers, worshipers will worship him regardless of their circumstances, regardless of their situations, regardless of what's going on. See, these guys are in horrible pain. These guys have unbelievable questions. And, and they begin to express their love. And listen, I, man, it, 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 changed, it changed everything. 
please remember, they're in horrible circumstances. I, man, I've, I've, been, I've been in a lot of jails huh, as a pastor. <laughs> I want to clear that up. I wasn't thrown in jail. I, as a pastor, I went in. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in jail, but jail's not a place that you think there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of happiness. I mean, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of struggle in jail. And yet you see these guys, you know, what, you know what this encourages me? When you're in those darkest places of your life, you can worship him. You can express your love to him, and your love will grow. And I, there are a lot of people, in fact, is I said it with my ch- children, and I said it with my grandchildren. There's, there, there's a lot of times, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but the first time you ever hel- held your child, right, or maybe a grandchild, and the first time you ever had, held that child, or the first time you ever held that grandchild, and you, you made the mistake of saying some things like I said, and you look at them and you say, you know what? There's no way I could ever love you any more than I love you today. But 20 years later, your love is even stronger for them than the first day you met them. You know why? Because when love is expressed, love grows. A years and years of expressing your love to them, and all of a sudden your love begins to grow. And so if you're not careful, listen, in hard times, your love for God leaks, it drifts, it doesn't grow. And Jesus warned us about this. In fact, this is my burden for made for more. If you life journal with us, you know that we've been journaling through um, Deuteronomy and Mark. And all of a sudden, I notice this pattern developing in Deuteronomy. And in fact, and, and, I, and I started just writing in the margins of like my old school paper Bible whenever I saw this pattern develop. And it was this pattern of believe, uh, hear, believe, and obey. Hear from God, believe his word, and obey. Hear, believe, obey. We live in a time, listen, we live in a time, and Jesus warned about this time. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But Jesus warned about this time. Jesus said this time would come when all of a sudden believers' love for God will start to diminish. We live in a time, right, when people are saying, you know, it is no longer here, believe, obey. It is here and just believe. As long as we're believers, we're good to go. As long, I mean, as long as we kind of heard God's word and we'd consider ourselves believers, we're just like good to go, right? And we live in a time to where people are talking more about believers than, 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 than disciples. But here's the crazy thing. God called us the Great Commission, said the church is to make disciples, not believers. The church is to make disciples, people that follow him. People that understand this issue of hear from him, believe, and just to the very best of our ability, not perfection, the very, very best of our ability to follow him. I mean, we know what it means to follow someone, right? I mean, you can follow someone on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. When you follow them, you give them the right to influence you by where they go on vacation, what they eat, what they wear, all of those other things. I mean, we know this. We know this in society. We know this with stars. We know this. When Jesus says, you follow me, and you know what? When you're a follower of mine, you give me the right to influence you. And Jesus says, I'm so concerned about the church. And Mark, I flipped over to Mark in life journaling. He said, there is a time coming when nothing makes sense, right? I mean, things or decisions are being made, and they don't even seem logical. It just seems craziness. We can't even make sense out of it. And all this stuff is going on. And Jesus said this. He says, and when that happens, Christians, stay awake, stay alert. And he keeps begging them, just stay awake, stay alert. Do not allow your, your, your love for me to grow cold. Because there's gonna time, a time is going to come when the Christian's love for him 
is going to grow cold, and he just continues to say, just wake up. And I'm telling you, I'm, this issue of, of love expressed is so critical for us to understand. And we understand in relationships, right? If you're in a marriage and you never express your love to your partner, it's just not going to work. I mean, the marriage is going to struggle, and the same with our relationship with Christ. And so you have Paul and Silas. They're in horrible circumstances. And guess what? Everybody in the prison knows they're guilty. They know they did it. They know they're God followers. They know they're a part of the way. Uh, they know everything about them. They can hear them worshiping. And yet Paul and Silas are continually worshiping him. I mean, they probably had some emotions, and there probably was some temptation. Should we continue to worship? We don't understand this. Why are we going through this? We did exactly what God told us to do. And here's the crazy thing, and I'm so thankful for. Real worship is authentic. Paul and Silas are not acting like everything's okay. Paul and Silas, I mean, they're just transparent. They're honestly, when I came to faith in Christ, especially in the evangelical movement, uh, they would tell us, in fact, it was the church that I met Christ in, that if you're going to have a, t a good testimony, then you just act like everything's always okay and that you don't have any questions. There's no mystery to God. You have no struggles because if you admit a struggle, if you admit everything is not okay, you're not going to be a good testimony. And you're not going to be a good witness for the Lord. And you know what? In Scripture says something totally different. There is something powerful about someone that admits and says, you know what? Things aren't okay. I am in prison. I am having difficulty. I do have questions. I, but I'm going to bring my questions for him. In the midst of this, I believe that God is good. And I can love him and I can trust him. There is something about that person that just understands that. There's something about that person that just worships him. That's what Jesus said in John, right? We worship him in truth and in spirit. We're honest about our questions. We're honest about our struggles. We're honest about the season that we're in. If we cannot bring those to him, who can we bring them to? But we understand that he's bigger than all of that. And so the first thing is this, is we just live our worship. The other thing is this, is that other people listen to our worship. Other people listen to our worship. That's why Jesus says, Love your neighbor as yourself because guess what? People are watching. People are watching whether it's your home, whether it's your school, whether it's your, your place of business, whether it's in the community. People are watching the way that you worship him. Worship is more than just singing. Worship is more than just exalting him. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 again, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. That phrase, listening to them, in the Greek, in the tense, it's like continual action. In other words, they'd been worshiping continually. They had been singing praises to him. And so the big question theologians have had, what were they singing? What song were they singing? Were they singing a Chris Tomlin song? Was it a Hill song? Was it Bethel? I mean, what song were they singing? That's the big question. Listen, we don't know for sure. But here, here's the best guess that theologians have. That at, every year at Passover, they worship to a few few psalms, Psalm 113 all the way to Psalm 118. And so Psalm 113 was like the most famous hymn, the most famous psalm of their time. I mean, Christians and non-Christians knew this song. It'd be like us singing Amazing Grace. I mean, everybody, whether they're a Christ follower, whether they've ever been in church, they're going to know Amazing Grace. And so here's the psalm. I want to read it to you. This is probably what they are worshiping to. And you understand their conditions. And so here's what they, here's what they were worshiping to. Psalm 113 says... Now, praise the Lord. Praise those servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
The Lord is high above all nations and the glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? Who raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap? To make them sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her a joyous mother of the children. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine what's going through the prisoner's mind? They know they're Christ followers. They know they, they know they believe God. They know they love God. And they know they're guilty of what they're charged with. And yet these guys are sitting there and they're praising him. I mean, I mean, you look at this issue and you realize that this wasn't just for, the, just for Paul and Silas's deliverance. It was for the jailer's deliverance. It's for the prisoners. That's why Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself because guess what? They're looking at how you express your love to him. They're looking at how you express your love to others. There is, listen, there is something, right? There is something about when you get to see someone express their love to God in a pure way or express their love to someone else in a pure way. There's something about that that can make your love grow, right? It can, it can encourage you. This happened to me this last week. This last week I met a friend of mine. His name's Alan Carr. He's a, a professor at a seminary. He's a professor of mine in seminary. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's an amazing guy, and, and uh, he also has a ministry. He does a lot of missions in Burma, Myanmar, and some of the, uh, Myanmar, and some of the most poor areas of our world. And, and so we, we met in Monument at a, like a Japanese restaurant, and it was just like a hole in the wall, and, and we got a booth off to the side because we are going to be there a while because we are just catching up. And, and as we're sitting there, this, this elderly couple walks in, and I mean elderly. <laughs> I mean, they're... And I need to tell you that so you understand the story. And so all of a sudden, they, they, they walk in, and it was obvious that the wife either had dementia or kind of the first stages of Alzheimer. And he was her caregiver. And he probably shouldn't have been her caregiver because he was kind of struggling himself. And they walk in, and this man is like guiding his wife the best he could and, and hoping that she didn't stray off and she'd try to sit at wrong tables. And, and he finally got her at the table, got her in the booth. I sat there and I watched him take off her jacket. He ordered for her. Um, when the soup came, he made sure the soup wasn't too hot for her. And then all of a sudden, he's like feeding her. And then the meal comes and he's feeding her again and he's wiping her mouth and he's taking care of her. And I'm sitting there and, and watching that. And I'm thinking, this man is expressing his love to to his wife who, guess what, at this stage of their marriage, she can't express her love back. And yet he is. It did something to me. Just watching that. They happened to leave about the same time Alan and I left. They had two double doors, and so I grabbed one door, and Alan grabbed the other door, and we helped them out, and we watched them go to their car. And I thought, that's the picture of love right there. The picture of love is when you express your love to someone that may not be able to, at that moment, to express their love back. Maybe what changed, listen, what changed this prison is these men, these prisoners, this jailer knew that Paul and Silas are in difficult circumstances. They're God followers. And it doesn't seem like God is taking care of them at this moment. And yet they're choosing to express their love to him. And it did something to them. It did something to the jail. You know what does something, what, what this story does to me? 
Paul and Silas are men, and they're worshiping God. There is something about a man that worships God. I'm just telling you, right? You know that, right? There is something in a church, there is something in a people group when men are willing to worship God. I mean, I've been in this room with two to three hundred men when we've done a men's night here, and, and you get two to three hundred men in this room, and you hear their voices, and they're worshiping, and it's full on. And it's, it's, it's something, it's like deafening in this room. There is something that happens when men worship, when men live this out. And listen, I get it. I'm a man. This is a struggle for us, right? This is, a, if we're just honest, this is a struggle for men. I mean, this is, I mean, because women, listen, you know there's a difference between male and female, right? I know that's a controversial statement in the times we live. Men learn different than women. Women learn different from men. Uh, women communicate different than men. Uh, I get it. I understand. I, please, I understand. Some women are more verbal than others, and some men are more verbal than others. But, but when you look at study, study after study, you just realize that men are different than women. And men and women learn differently. I mean, one study shows that the way men, women communicate uh, and learn is by listening and talking. And all the women said, amen. Is there another way? <laughs> I mean, that's how, I mean, we listen and we talk. We communicate. See, men aren't that way. You know the way we learn? You know the way men learn? By watching and doing. That's why we like shop class. That's why we like sports. That's why we like to do stuff. That's why we don't read the instructions before we put anything together. Is because we may watch a YouTube video if the guy's hilarious and does something stupid. But, and we'll learn it that way, right? But if we're honest, men learn best by watching and doing. Fact is, you can even see this in Scripture. Remember the disciples? Disciples, all men, right? How did Jesus teach the disciples? Watch what I do. And then do it. <laughs> over and over. Watch what I, give me your eyes. Watch what I do. And then do it. And you go, oh, oh, wait a minute. I don't think you remember. Jesus taught in parables. He only taught in parables when women were there. <laughs> right? Because wasn't it the men when Jesus would talk, teach in parables? The women go, oh, I get it. P makes perfect sense to me. What happened with the men? They went up to Jesus. What did the, what did the men do? What did that mean? Can you explain it to us? And then Jesus would have to say, man, watch what I do, and then just do it. I mean, I mean, most marriages would say, women's like, hey, one of the biggest problems I have with my husband, would he just listen to me? I just want him to listen to me. There's times Karen will say, listen to me. And I, I'm like, okay. I'm trying. I mean, I'm working hard at this. I am, listen, I am trying. <laughs> The other night, the other night, I came in from work, and she says, okay, I need your eyes. And, oh, my gosh, that's when I got to listen. And so she's like, I, I need your eyes. I need you to listen to me, and I need to show you. I need to show you. So she takes me into the kitchen. She opens up the refrigerator. All these snacks here, they're for life group, okay? They're all for life group. You can have anything on this side. Do not, do not eat this side. So I said, so you're saying I can't eat these? Do do not eat these. These are for life group. Will I ever get to eat these, you know? Yes, once we're at life group, but let somebody else go first. Don't eat them in the car. Don't eat them on the way. You wait for life group. These are for life group. And I'm like, okay, you see all this bacon and pork over here? You stay out of that. Right? 
I mean, that, I mean it's, just, it's, just, it's just different. I mean, that's why, that's why when, like, guys hang out, when guys hang out, we just naturally get closer just by doing something together. And we can come home from work, and our wives will say, hey, what you guys talk about? I hate that question because we always say the same things. What you guys talk about? Nothing. We're not lying. We are not lying. <laughs> we just learn different. We do things different. But can, can I help you? Next time your husband comes home or boyfriend or whatever comes and you're out on a date and you ask them questions, don't say, what did you guys talk about? We don't know what that means. <laughs> say, what did you guys do? Oh, we showed up at 9. Carl got out of his church. Carl's an idiot. He forgot this. He didn't do this. Then Joe's making fun of Carl, and Carl's making fun of Joe. And then we did this, and then we did that. And before long, we'll talk about what happened. We'll talk about what we talked about. Here's what we know. When men are passionate about something, they'll talk about it. Sports, hobby, whatever. They'll talk about it. You ever been in a group of guys, and all of a sudden a guy, like, meets a girl? And all he wants to do is talk about that girl. You're like, Carl, shut up. We're tired of hearing about her. We're tired of hearing about her. All he wants to do is talk about that girl. And then before you know it, Carl's no longer with us. And we're like, hey, where's Carl? He's always always with the girl. And then before you know it, Carl's like at the mall holding a purse. It's like another one bites the dust. I mean, it's just done. But, But if men are passionate about something, talk about it. You know, what are you passionate about? And you, want to, you may say, you know what, I wish I was passionate about God like some other people. Express your love to him. Next time you're out hunting, playing golf, sports, whatever, say, God, thank you for that sunrise. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for what's going on. You express your love to him. Your love will grow. You'll show gratitude. And then when you come together as a church, then you naturally start expressing your love to them. I'm telling you, there is something that happens when men are willing to worship him, when men are willing to experience him, when men are willing to express their love to him in their way. Something happens. Just learn to express your love to him. The third and the last thing is this. True worship liberates. True worship liberates. Remember, for, for Paul and Silas, this just wasn't for Paul and Silas. This is also for the jailer. This is also for the prisoners. People, listen to your worship. Verse 26, here's what the scripture says. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about ready to kill himself. Please do not miss this. This is the man that inflicted pain on Paul and Silas. They could have let him kill himself. They could have let him say, you get what you deserve. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, things change this issue of worship. It liberates. It brings freedom. And so he's about ready to kill himself. So he drew his sword about to kill himself. Supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? All of a sudden, 
their worship communicated to these guys. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him until all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up, <coughs> excuse me, into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household that he believed in God. He worshiped. He thanked God for his love. Worship liberates people. Worship is when you care about the things God cares about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Worship is a choice. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. We choose to either worship him or we choose not to. We choose to love him or we choose not to. We choose to express our love to him or we choose not to. Paul and Silas led the jailer to the Lord. That experience just wasn't for them. It's for the people around them. Worship should mark our lives that we love him. That's why communion is so important. That's why communion for us to observe is so important uh, as our servers begin making their way down, as they, as they grab the elements, the bread and the juice. In just a few seconds, they're going to begin passing out the bread, and they're going to pass out the juice. As we observe communion together, communion is this picture. Communion is, is a part of worship. Communion and us saying that we are, we are one body, we are one faith, we are, we are one family. And because of that, we, we worship. We worship him. So as the servers begin, begin passing out the, the elements, the bread and the juice, there's some plates that are going to come by. There's two cups, one on top of the other. And so you'll take both cups off, and then you'll pass the plate to the person next to you. And I don't know if you've ever thought of this, or I've talked about it a little bit, but honestly, remember, you are serving the next person next to you. You are serving them communion. There is no way they could take communion without you. And so you'll take both cups, the bread and the juice, out. You'll pass the plate to the person next to you. And then you're going to hold the elements in place. And then in a few minutes, we'll take of the bread and we'll take of the juice together. It shows unity. It shows that we're one. We're one family. We do this together. The scripture says that before we take of the bread and we take of the juice, that we should be willing to express our gratitude, to express our love to him, we should be willing to examine our lives and make sure we hear and we believe and we obey. And so maybe you will just give you some time as the elements are being passed. That you would just sit before him. And you may want to have a conversation with him. You may want to express your love to him. And so would you just do that and in just a few minutes we'll take of the bread and juice together and I'll guide you. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, let me, let me just ask you, maybe you'd reflect on these things. And you know when we entered, in, entered into this Made for More series, we learned a, a fresh way just to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we just simply used the acrostics to pray to, to help us, to help me remember that. And the P is just pause. And maybe you just need to pause and remember that He is the Lord. Be still and know that I am the Lord. And I will be exalted over the nations. I will take care of you. 
And maybe you just need to be reminded that guess what? He's in control and you're not. You can't control this world. You can't control current events. You can't control what's going on. You can't control situations. And maybe you just need to release that to him and say, and remind yourself that he's God and you're not. He's in control and you're not. But he gives us a promise. He says, I'll be exalted over the nations. I'll be exalted over the world. I'm sovereign and I'm in control. The R is just rejoice. And maybe you need to show gratitude and just tell him thank you for some things. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Glad and being glad and happy, that's a choice. So maybe you need to tell him thank you for some things. Maybe an answer to prayer. Maybe a relationship. Maybe something that he's working out. Maybe that it's a beautiful day. Whatever it is, you just need to show gratitude. and says, thank you for this. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I have heaven. Thank you that I'm yours. Thank you that I'm a child of yours. Thank you that you are my father and you're a good father. The A is ask. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so maybe there's some things you need to ask for. I mean, when you look at this issue, bread, that's pretty small. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone else. And the why is just simply yield. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And maybe you need to say, God, I yield to you. I just, I just want to obey you. I want to hear, believe, obey. I just want to obey you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you that we can express our worship to you, our love for you, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. <coughs> and we ask that you just bless this time, that we would know you are here, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please? <coughs> Before we take of the juice, I just thought it'd be appropriate since we've been praying the Lord's Prayer that we would just recite the Lord's Prayer together before we take of the juice. So the words are going to come up on the screen in just a second. And we're just going to simply start with our Father. We're going to make this our prayer. And so I'm just going to ask you to say this loud and with, with passion. And I know we've, we've lost an hour of sleep and we're a little sleepy, but let's pray this like we mean it. Let's pray this like it's personal. So would you, would you say this out loud with me? And then we'll take of the juice. You ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that we are forgiven. Father, may we express our love to you in all that we do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me, please?